All right, um, let's jump right in. Uh, I am glad to be with you guys this. Oh, thanks, brother. I appreciate that. I'm glad to be with you guys this morning. Um, got the opportunity about a month ago to jump in on the Firefall series to share a little with you about the Holy Spirit's role on Sunday mornings when we gather together and what our responsibilities are to Him. And we really just talked about one main concept. He is here. He's present. And that is the most important thing. He's present. He's living within us. Our responsibilities is we acknowledge His presence. We expect Him to move, we invite Him to move, and then we praise Him for moving. So today we'll be talking about just a couple more roles. If you didn't hear that message, I would encourage you to go back online and listen to it. But let's just pray and invite Him to move this morning as we start. Holy Spirit, You are here. You are living within us by the power of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. And we are so grateful for that. Spirit, we pray, we acknowledge your presence, we expect that you're going to move, we don't know how, and that is totally okay, um, but we ask you to do so, we invite you, we open our hearts to you, and ask you to move, and we praise you in advance for what you're already doing, and how you're going to continue to move this morning. It is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So let's jump right in here. What does the Holy Spirit do when we gather together? Here's the first role. He speaks. He speaks to us. He loves to do this. All right, and how does he speak to us? A few different ways. One is through his word, the preaching of his word and the reading of his word. This happened just this morning where Sarah was reading the passage of scripture, and I just felt so struck by some of the things in there and just realized how much it connected with my message. And she didn't know what I was going to be saying. Like, it was so cool. The Holy Spirit knew. Second one is prayer. The third one is praise or singing. Fourth is the Lord's Supper, communion. And then the, the fifth is your family in Christ, brothers and sisters. He speaks through all these. And we'll get into these a little bit more here and there. But have you ever been listening to a passage of Scripture read, a message being given, singing a song, taking communion, Whatever it may be, and you just felt cut to your heart. I hope that's happened to you. If it has, that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe if it connected so perfectly to your circumstances or your situation in life at that moment, that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe you felt a sense of heaviness or joy or peace during a prayer time, that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe. You needed a specific affirmation from somebody, and they gave it to you for that season, that time in life, whatever it was. That's the Holy Spirit. He loves to speak to us. And He doesn't need these means to do it, but He loves to do it. He loves to use these to speak to us, and that is such a cool thing. And when He speaks, He speaks both to our minds and to our hearts. So we receive truth both on a cognitive level and we're deeply affected by truth on an emotional or a heart level. And so maybe somebody prays the words, God, you are still on the throne. And you're reminded of the truth of God's sovereignty and then you feel in your heart a deep sense of peace. Or maybe we sing the words, oh, there's nothing better than you. 
reminded of the truth that nothing and no one compares to our God, and then we feel a deep sense of joy. Maybe we hear the passage of Scripture, read Romans 8, 38 through 39, where it talks about nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we're reminded in our minds of the unconditional love of God, and then we feel a deep sense of security in our souls. We feel loved. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. And He's got to be the one to reveal both to our minds and to our hearts these truths because we can't get it on our own. Have you ever strived? Have you ever felt like you've been trying to understand something and you just don't get it? Maybe somebody's explaining something to you. Maybe you're listening to a message or whatever it is, reading, reading a scripture and you just don't get it and then all of a sudden you get it. All of a sudden it clicks. That's the Holy Spirit. Tim Keller in his book on prayer talks about how the Holy Spirit creates an inner sensitivity in our hearts to gospel truth. Here. He goes on to say, Paul says in Ephesians 3, 16 and 18, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that you may grasp how, high, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This word grasp is important. It is more than to just believe. It means to get a secure hold on something. Keller goes on to say, to compare photography with this process of truth really hitting our souls. And I don't really understand this process because photography now for me is I pull out my phone, I swipe up, and I click the button. But I think that this is amazing what I'm about to read here. Photography used to require film that was made sensitive to light by treating it with chemicals. The camera shutter opened and light came in, bouncing off an object such as a tree. The chemically treated film grasped the image of the tree, and there the image remained. The film was permanently impressed with and changed by the tree. Imagine, however, that there is some failure to put the film through the proper chemical treatment. Then the shutter opens and the light comes in, but the film isn't sufficiently sensitive to receive a clear image, if any image at all. The light makes no difference to the film whatsoever. Paul's prayer in Ephesians here suggests that Christians need the, spiritual, the Spirit's chemical treatment or a spiritual sensitizing or the truths that we mouth and assent to or sing will make no real difference in how we live. Isn't that amazing? So he's talking about how the Holy Spirit has got to be the ones who illuminate, invigorate, or bring to life what it is that we're doing here on Sunday mornings and to bring it from a head level to a heart level and then ultimately to our hands. He's the chemical agent who speaks to our souls, not just to our minds. And our theme verse for the year, uh, the, our theme for the year is let there be light. And we have a theme verse to kind of go with it that we've been praying over the church. It's Ephesians 3, 16 through 18, first part of 18. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit. Notice that's capitalized. This is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. He illuminates truth and He brings it to a heart level. He's got to be the one to do it. I remember a moment that this happened in my life. I can remember as long as long as I can remember, I remember 
knowing the truth that God loves me unconditionally. And I heard that so many times. As I grew up, I started to realize that unconditional meant no condition, that didn't mean didn't matter what you did or um, what you said. Just, just loved us anyways, right? And then I remember a moment when it actually got to my heart. So when our daughter was born a little over a year and a half ago, I remember holding her one night in her chair, rocking her to sleep. Maybe she was even sleeping at that point. And I remember looking down at her and thinking a couple things. One of them was, well, first it was, I love this child more than I can even express. And I thought to myself, why do I love this child more than I can even express? So far, she's made me sleepless, cranky, irritable, caused tension in my marriage, like all this stuff, right? Now, lots of joy, lots of awesomeness. I love Aria to the death, I really do. But hey, she hadn't done anything for me. She hadn't done a thing for me, really. And then I thought to myself, I don't care what this girl becomes. I don't care what this girl does. I am always going to love her. And that was the moment. I'm getting chills right now. That was the moment when God brought his unconditional love over me as my father from my head to my heart. And it sunk in deep. It sunk in deep. I finally realized what it meant to be a child. A child of the father. Oh, he speaks to us both in our minds and our hearts. What do we do? What do we do when he speaks? We listen. That's the first thing. And then we respond. Listening. So this is different than just hearing. Hearing is about perceiving sound, whereas listening, on the other hand, as defined by Merriam-Webster, means to pay attention to sound, to hear something with thoughtful attention, and to give consideration. So pay attention. Think about what is being said here on Sunday mornings. And if you feel a sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking something uniquely to you, give it attention, thoughtful attention and consideration. You might feel a shift in your mood. You might feel uncomfortable. You might feel a sense of connection or disconnection. You might feel a sense of conviction. You may have the thought, wow, I've never really realized that before. Wow, I've never thought about that before. When that happens, stop. Stay there. Listen. We're leaning into all you are. Everything else can wait. Right? Just saying those words. And you can even ask for help if you're struggling with paying attention because that happens a lot. He wants, he wants to empower you to be able to pay attention, but he wants you to rely on him to do it. He wants your dependence, so ask him for help. Spirit, I'm really struggling to focus on what it is you're saying to me here. Would you help? Once you've listened to your fair share, then you respond. Pastor Shane used to ask two questions after every one of his messages. I bet a lot of you remember it. What is God saying to me? And let's hear the next one. Hey, here we go. All right. What am I going to do about it? James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So when we're hearing something, that the Holy Spirit is, uh, is highlighting something or revealing something to us and speaking, let's listen, but not, let's not just stop there. Let's respond to whatever it is He's speaking. And maybe a lot of times it's just worship is our response. A lot of times that's what it is, and that's all right. But sometimes it's more specific. Sometimes it's more unique, and he's calling you to do something. Here's the next rule. The Holy Spirit inspires. Google defines inspire as to fill someone with the urge or ability to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. So this is what he does, and, and how, what does he inspire us to do? First is to sing. 
So he inspires us to sing. Check out Ephesians 5, 18 through 19. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So these verses here imply that part of being filled with the Spirit means singing, which I'm super excited about. <laughs> So he, inspired, he inspires us to sing to each other and to sing over each other. A similar passage in Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And then it says this phrase again, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do we see it again? He inspires us to sing, and part of that inspiration is simply just because of who he is and what he's done. We're just inspired we express our gratitude. His mere existence can be enough to inspire us to tell each other about it, to tell our hearts about it, to tell God about it. Um, but I want to talk about like two different types of songs that he inspires us to sing here. One is previously written songs. I'm not really going to go into great depth with, depth with this, but when Paul mentions psalms and hymns, that's what he's referring to. The psalms and the, and the scriptures actually singing those, which we sing some of those in that hymns that people had written that were not specifically included in the Bible. But then, there's this next phrase here where he says spiritual songs. And that's where spontaneous songs is part of what he inspires us to sing as well. That's what spiritual songs, scholars believe, is what is, he is pointing to. So Karen Holland, who's a blog writer for a website that focuses on worship, writes about this topic of spontaneous worship, and I really think what she says is true. Psalm 40, verse 3, um, she highlights, he says, He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. And here's what she says. In the above verse, the meaning of the, the word new is chadash. <laughs> Sorry. New, new thing or fresh. And then the accompanying footnote here reads, A new song was appropriate because the Lord had intervened in the psalmist's experience in a fresh and exciting way. David had sung other songs, but this revelation of God's deliverance produced a fresh song of spontaneous worship. The Hebrew word for praise used here is the word tehillah. Tehillah is used each time the word praise appears with new song. So really... She's talking about spontaneity in worship here being in response to who God is and to what he's doing. In other words, it's gratitude. Because the, both of those passages too that we read in Ephesians and Colossians, it talks about singing with thanksgiving. Singing with thanksgiving when we do it. And so spontaneity is often the result of gratitude. And then check this out. She goes on to say spontaneous worship is important. It indicates that the Lord is still intervening in his people's lives in the world as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It indicates that the relationship he has with his people is alive and fresh. Spontaneity is important for intimacy. It keeps relationships alive. For those of you that are married, that have been married for a while, you know this and you can sense when spontaneity is less, intimacy often is less, and, and vice versa. Haley and I, by God's grace, have celebrated seven years of marriage this past Monday. 
And I can tell you this, that it is so true that when she does and says things out of response to who I am and to what I do, in that moment, it fills me up so much and I just experience a sense of connection and intimacy with her. Just the other night I was doing, I'm not even gonna say I was gonna do, I'm doing the dishes because I think I was just doing a dish. And I think, I'm not sure why, but I'm pretty sure it's probably because it smelled because that happens often, but I was doing a dish. And she came up to me and she kissed me on the cheek. And she said, hey, you're awesome. And I just, the intimacy and the connection in that moment, I felt seen. I felt just loved and appreciated. And it was her spontaneous expression to me doing a dish. But she didn't even point that out. She didn't even point out any about the dishes or the house or whatever it was. She just said, you're awesome. She spoke to my heart. She spoke to my character. Spontaneity keeps intimacy alive. If everything we did in relationships was only regimented, expected, and obligated obedience, which isn't a bad thing, but if that's all we ever did, we'd be more like robots than we'd be like humans. Spontaneous singing, though, is always informed by the Word of God. I'm clear about this. It's never counter to it. Oh, we, uh, if the Holy Spirit is inspiring a, a new song, it's not going to inspire uh, a, a song specifically that is counter to the Word of God. It's never meant to be unbiblical, but rather inspired by it. Notice the passage in Colossians that we have read says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then it talks about singing spiritual songs. And so we're informed, inspired by his word. They can also be informed by God himself and what he's doing. Spontaneous worship is not something that our church has done very much um, in, in the years of its existence. It's not something we've been super comfortable with. It's not something I have been super comfortable with um, at times and, and for um, a large part of my life. I think it's becoming more comfortable, but that's okay. It's okay, but I believe that it's a biblical thing. I believe if you look through the Psalms, I believe if you look through the Old Testament gatherings, I believe if you look at the New Testament gatherings, it's spontaneous singing, spontaneous expression. It's a biblical thing, and I think that we should do our best to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and really the command to be spontaneous. Sometimes it may just be the person up here who is singing spontaneously, and you can either join or listen. Sometimes it may just be you singing your own words from your heart during a moment of space given. And that's all right. And we've done this a little bit, um, and it's felt a little uncomfortable at times, and that's all right. And we're going to keep helping you kind of wade through it and, and work through it um, and listening to the Holy Spirit's leading when he calls for some of those times. Um, I want to give you an example of spontaneous singing. The night before Easter, I was like an anxious ball of mess. <laughs> I don't know why it is, but like I was just thinking about the sunrise service that next morning. It was just super early. It was going to be cold. And I was thinking about like the, the, the two services that we had prepared here at the church. And I just felt this sense of pressure and like striving. Like I had to get everything right. And I remember just talking to God and him saying, Brian, why don't you go outside for a minute, get in my nature, and start singing. And so I did that. I was just looking at the beauty of his creation in the sky. Started singing. And here's what he did starts singing words that, that from Romans 8 where it talks about the Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And he reminded me in that moment that because I'm a child of God, my security is not based on what happened that next morning. That, that at the end of that day, I was still going to be a beloved child of His. 
and it was a beautiful time, and I just felt freedom. He reminded me of the verse where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and that I am indwelt by the Spirit of God. And so, Brandon, you can go forward without having to strive. He reminded me of, of uh, even some words that my brother Shane Tyus has spoken over me a couple of nights earlier, that you are going to um, not strive. You're going to not strive. Awesome. Second thing that he inspires us to do is to shout. I'm not going to go into great detail with this, but it's very clear when you read through Scripture. And, and one of the, it was in the passage this morning that, that Sarah read was shouts of joy. Shouts can come similarly to spontaneous singing um, when God appears to be doing something new and fresh in the midst of our service or when we hear about two salvations at our parent uh, youth night. Like how amazing is that? We can shout for that. We can clap. We can sing hallelujah or say hallelujah because he deserves it, right? He deserves it. And our announcements, I just want to point this out quick. Our announcements are a form of worship. And sometimes that may be a little more stale because we have logistical things to talk about. But here's what our announcements are really doing. I so appreciate our MCs. Our announcements are declaring, they're a declaration of God's goodness and faithfulness. They're a celebration of how he's moving in this church. And they're an invitation to get in the game. And so when you hear the announcements and you hear what God is doing, shout, praise, say amen, give a hallelujah, raise a hallelujah, whatever it is. And one thing to note is when we talk about spontaneous expressions, one of the verses we read earlier talked about submitting to each other in reverence for Christ. So we do it with respect. And we don't go crazy and turn to your neighbor and shout in their ear or something like that, right? Because it's probably going to throw them off, right? We're, we're sensitive to those around us. Here's the third way um, he inspires us is to speak. Remember how Pastor Shane talked about Jesus telling his disciples it was going to be better that he left because now he's not only with us, but he's in us. And he said that we would do greater things. I think part of, that is the re- uh, for, part of the reason for that is because of the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to go into this in great detail. It's not my expertise or comfort level. But I want to talk about a couple of things here. I don't believe this verse is on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 and 11 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So really what this is saying is the Holy Spirit is uniquely manifesting Himself through your voice and your personality. You were created in God's image from the beginning, which means his very nature was imprinted into you. And then the fall happened and covered up so much of that beauty. But then Jesus comes, the second Adam. He restores the very image of what humanity is and should be. And then he says, I'm living in you. His image in you is restored. And so think about the unique image and spirit of God dwelling in each of his children. This is how the kingdom spread like wildfire at Pentecost, right? Because now it's not just one person in Jesus. He's in all of us. So what do we use our voices for? How do we do this? We build each other up. Church of God, we build each other up. A couple chapters later in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. 
For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. So we build each other up. We encourage each other. We tell each other what God is laying on your heart. We all have something to learn and we all have something to share. When Haley and I used to bring Aria to church, we don't really do that in the mornings. I'm so grateful for Kevin and Lori that they watch her so that we can get here early. But when we used to bring her, we would tell her every morning why we came to church so that it didn't become a stale thing. And parents, if you don't do that, I would encourage you strongly to do that. But one of the things that we would tell Aria is, sweetie, we're going to church to build each other up. We're going to church to encourage each other. And we would often pray, God, is there anybody that you want us to encourage? Is there anybody that needs a word from you this morning? What if we all prayed that? What if we all prayed that? What if God has, was laying somebody on your heart and you felt this sense of burden that they've been feeling and you said, you know what, God? I sense that Josh Hose needs a word from you. What is that, Holy Spirit? What is that? And he may not always speak, but you'd be surprised when you ask how much he would love to share with his child, Josh Hose, uniquely through your voice. And can I just speak to those in this room right now who have believed, I'm going to get a little fiery, you believe for far too long that your contribution is insignificant in this church body. If that is you, please open your hearts just for a moment to me. You may think your contribution is insignificant. And to tell you the truth, it would be had Jesus not died to make the opposite true and had you not believed in him in faith. Your contribution is significant because Jesus made you and your contribution significant. You became significant the moment that you received the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So child of God, for you to say you have nothing to offer is to deny the very image of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit living in you, and the union with Christ that he died to bring. You are seated in heavenly places right next to Jesus. God looks at you. God looks at Jesus. He sees you. You are significant and your voice is significant. It may look like insecurity or low self-esteem that keeps you believing this lie, but really those are just covering up for the real sins that you're holding on to, which is a sense of pride and a lack of trust. A belief that you've held on to for too long, that what you do and how you feel about yourself matters more than the cross of Jesus Christ and what that says over you. A belief you've held on to for far too long that what you do, a belief you've held on to for far too long that, you know, you might tell yourself, Jesus, I know what you say about me. I get it. But I'm just me. I could never fill in the blank. You're not just you anymore. That's the point. That's the point of the Holy Spirit. You're not just you anymore. You're united with the Son of God. And there's no shame here if you believe these lies because I have as well. I just want to call attention to it. I want you to stop believing a lie about yourself. And I want you to stop hiding behind a false humility that God never intended. Child of God, that is not you anymore. So let go. Holy Spirit, I pray that any lies of insignificance in this room for anybody, that it would be crushed in the name of Jesus Christ. And they would realize that that is not the truth. 
and that they would agree with the truth of what you say about them. In Jesus' name. I felt a burden on my heart to say that because everyone's voice is unique and everyone's voice is significant and we need everyone's voice and Paul says so. God's word says so. There are ways that Mary Acock, I'm not sure if you guys know who she is, there are ways that she encourages me that no one else can do. Nobody else has done it yet the way that she does it when she speaks truth over me and encourages me. That's the Holy Spirit of God uniquely manifesting himself through her. There are things that there are ways that Kevin Hewitt encourages people that is so unique to him and his unique personality that I can't do. I can't do it. Because that's the Holy Spirit of God uniquely manifesting himself through Kevin's voice and Kevin's personality. And I could start pointing out each of you in this room in different ways. I don't have the time for that, unfortunately. But when when our when when, when God speaks, when his Holy Spirit is inspiring us to speak. We need to open up our mouth and we, we need to use our voice. We need to use our voice. He's given you one that holds authority and power that Jesus died to give you and rose to give you. So let's use our voices. Here's the last rule, and this will be shorter. He moves. The Holy Spirit moves. And you might be thinking, yeah, it's just kind of what we talked about, Brandon, the Holy Spirit moving. And it is, but I'm going to differentiate this just, just a bit. Okay? So, um... Think in terms of when he speaks, when the Holy Spirit speaks, he's speaking for your good. He's directly to you. When he inspires, he's inspiring for someone else's good, somebody to the right or to the left, or maybe even for his praise, Father and Son. And when he moves, it's for the church's good as a whole. It's for the world's good, even beyond that. The first time we hear about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, we're told that he's so in Genesis 1, the very thing, first thing we heard here is the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, which we talked about last time, created a sense of expectation. And then God spoke. Life came into being. And Answers in Genesis talks about how the Hebrew word for hovers is related to this idea of preparation for life. Almost like a hovering, a bird hovering over its nest. Preparation for life to come into the world. And so where there is movement from the Holy Spirit, there is life. And where there is life, you better believe that the Holy Spirit prepared the way for it. There are different times that you can catch him moving in the scriptures, even though that word may not necessarily be used every time. But I'm really talking about those times here where he's doing something in our midst. He's doing something bigger than just you, than just your brother or your sister. He's moving. Right? It's almost those times when you can like walk into to the room and almost just feel it like, wow, God's doing something here. He's moving in a unique and in a special way. It might be that he's uniting all of our hearts around one truth. It might be that he's releasing in us a greater revelation of our identity in Jesus. It might be, you know, one anthem of praise that he loves for us to sing, one prayer, one mission even as we go out and serve those around us. So really that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying moving, him moving. And so what do we do when he moves? This one's easy, you rest. He's moving, you get to sit back, you get to watch, and you get to enjoy. Enjoy his presence. Trust that even though it may feel uncomfortable to you with the way that he's moving, maybe that's exactly where God wants you 
And for your sake and for the world's sake, don't suppress it. Don't suppress it. Don't miss it. Because it doesn't look like what your box that we have the tendency to put him in looks like. Okay, so don't miss it. He moves, we rest. Now, as we close up here, you might ask the question, you know, how will I know when the Holy Spirit is speaking, inspiring, or moving? Truth is, you may not know, but I think there are some things that, that can help us. And to, to kind of go from a broad spectrum, when he speaks, you're going to feel it. When he inspires, you're going to hear it. And when he moves, you're going to see it. Okay? So kind of think broad term in, in that way. But then to get a little more um, specific, is it producing good fruit? Fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if whatever is happening in that moment is producing one of those, it's most likely from the Holy Spirit. If, you, if you're feeling a sense of bitterness or resentment or hatred or, or, or whatever it may be, it's probably not from the Holy Spirit unless maybe he's just bringing to the surface what already is there. But he doesn't produce those things. He produces love, joy, peace, you know, all those, all, those, all those fruits, right? Is what I'm seeing, hearing, feeling contradictory to anything that we see in the Bible? Does this, any of this contradict the Bible or does it line up with it? It's a good question to ask. Number three is, is it good? Is it good? Is it perfect for me in that moment? Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from our Father, right? And that includes even the common graces that we experience day to day that don't necessarily involve His direct and active relational movement in our lives. You know, Shane had talked about this, that, that, that God's common grace is a way that we can know that His Holy Spirit is indeed moving. We can sense Him. We can sense joy. It may not be that He's relationally you know, instilling a sense of joy in me, but if I see something and, and it makes me just realize like how joyful I am in that moment, who's the giver of joy in the first place? It's God, right? It's often how we can know. For is it building up me or the church? Is what is occurring right now, what, what I'm sensing or feeling, is it building me up? Is it building the church up? And sometimes building up doesn't always feel wonderful, by the way. Sometimes it feels a little bit more like tearing down at first, maybe calling out some things that aren't in alignment with the truth of our being, right, and aren't in alignment with who Jesus really says we are, that we've been um, doing or believing. Um, the passage earlier we read says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Admonishing means warning or confronting. So it doesn't always feel good, but you can know the end. You can tell the end goal in somebody's mind. It's a build up. Holy Spirit's role is to build up. Here's the fifth one. Is it lifting up Jesus? John 16, 14 says that um, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So is whatever is happening, is it lifting up Jesus in your mind? Is it making Jesus look better? Is it making Jesus bigger, more significant in your life at that moment? All in all, and this is not to be facetious, but if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, and it walks like a duck, abundant life is probably a duck. A duck. Now sometimes you might end up getting a little closer and realize it's a goose. I hate it when that happens. Sometimes it happens, but we're not going for perfection. We're going for discernment, our best discernment. And the cool thing is that the same Holy Spirit who is, is or isn't moving is the same one who lives inside of you. So ask him for help. He's going to be faithful to show you.
And I will close with this. One of the most amazing things about all of this is that we're going to get it wrong. And that is okay. Because that's the beauty of the Gospels. Our mistakes are redeemed. And to return to the truths of the last message that I preached on this, the Holy Spirit is present and here with us. There's no distance. There's no separation. Already here. Already speaking. Already inspiring. Already moving. And knowing this produces such a sense of perfect peace in our lives. And knowing this should produce a sense of desperate dependence on Him. That night that I sang, and he just recalled some of the scriptures to my mind. Perfect peace came over me, and then a desperate dependence was my response, because I realized that that's what I needed. The pressure is off of you, is really what this means. Because he's always the one to act first. He speaks, we listen. He inspires, we speak. He moves, we rest. He's always first. He is active. He is here and he is active. Let's pray. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I don't know what it is that you desire to speak this morning to my brothers and sisters in this room. Maybe you're inspiring a word of encouragement for a brother across the sanctuary, for a sister across the sanctuary. Maybe you are highlighting something in somebody's life where they're not, uh, they're making decisions that don't really line up with who you truly say they are. Maybe somebody is feeling desperate and anxious and needs a sense of encouragement this morning. I don't know what it is, but I just pray that each of us would listen and respond. And I pray that each of us, when we gather together, we would realize that we are bringing something. We are bringing our unique voices. We're bringing our unique personality to the table and that you want us to use those voices. Holy Spirit, we desperately need you and we are so grateful that you were here with us this morning. We're so grateful you live within us. We desperately depend on you. Thank you for your perfect peace. Thank you for your movement. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.